Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Dusty Mason, through gloom and shadow grows, hidden in the branches of a poison creoso. She twines her spines up slowly towards the boiling sun, and when I touched her skin, my fingers ran. Human consciousness is a tragic misstep in evolution. We became far too self-aware. Nature created an aspect of nature separate from itself. We are creatures that should not exist by natural law. We are things that labor under the illusion of having a self, an accretion of sensory experience and feeling. Program with the total assurance that we are somebody, when in fact everybody is nobody. Maybe the honourable thing for our species to do is to deny our program, stop reproducing, walk hand in hand into the void. Sorry to interrupt you, Rusty Paul, but instead. Why don't you quit your yabbering and make your way into my void? Well, I suppose we could blame this on a lack of strong female protagonists. Morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to Rule the Roost podcast. I am your host, Tatrunk. I'm joined by the other host, Raj Baines. How are you doing, Bainesy? Uh, I'm not too bad, yourself? Yeah, very good, thanks, mate. Very good. Uh, so if, you, if you're a bit confused as to what you heard um, just there at the start of the show, you're a wanker because you haven't listened to last week's show to the end. Um, if you do want to know what the start was about, Listen to the end of last week's show. I think I think that's a fair thing to say, don't you, Bainesy? Yeah, I mean, when I mentioned what I mentioned at the end of last week's show, I didn't imagine it would uh, would come into any sort of fruition. But uh, you've you've taken it upon yourself to to make a, a dream a reality. Well, that's it. I mean, uh, it, because obviously you won't be privy to the script, listeners. Um, the working title of said piece is "Dude Detective." Um, which I think was was quite fitting. There might have been a better one, maybe like 
tube detective or something. I don't know, something kind of tenuously sexual. You reckon? What about you, Raj? Any ideas? You you were quite good last week with a rusty pole and everything like that. Yeah, I mean, I came up with the names because they fitted quite well, but um, I don't think I can come up with a, a name for the show straight That's off the bat. Dude detective. That'll work. Yeah. Um, I, uh, it, but it did get me thinking. I really, really miss... I really miss it, True Detective. But I've heard some rumours about the new series, um, and it's going to feature the lad that's... I, I can't even remember the actor's name, but he's in a new film that's out at the moment called Blue Ruin. Um, I don't know if you've seen it advertised, mate, but it's a little little indie film that's getting a, an actual nationwide release. And for anyone that's a fan of anything like True Detective, um, like those gritty kind of, you know, hickey... American style stories, very gritty, very dark. I would highly recommend going to watch Blue Ruin, and that that goes for you as well, Bane. So, uh, uh, yeah, I've, I've heard a lot about it. Um, I've not seen it as yet, but it, it does seem like a, a good prospect. But yeah, the, basically, the lead guy from that's apparently going to be the lead character in the new new series of True Detectives. So, there we go. I'm still lacking that strong female protagonist, but. Um, People seem to like the the kebab talk last week. We should we should maybe sort of use that as well. So HBO series is kebab talk, um, and then a little bit of football. Do you reckon? I reckon I could sell kebab talk to the Food Network, where yeah. I kind of I drive around and go to different kebab houses and like talk to them about it in the same enthusiastic manner that I did last uh, week. Man versus kebab. Um, yeah, mate, I won't stick to the strap lines. I'm having real trouble with my titles today, actually, as you just saw there. Um, I have trouble with a lot of things in life, really. I I don't know if that if that is abundantly clear when you when you listen to this. Um, I know there's certain listeners that that, that aren't overly fond of <laughs> overly fond of my presenting style, should we put it that way? Um, so I'm having a bit of a breakdown on air here, mate, aren't I? Going through oh. emotions. I think it's just all feeding into what we're going to have to speak about next, isn't it? Really? I know. I'm really avoiding it. That's 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 kind of why I'm I'm going about the houses. I really oh, three times, three times in a season we've lost not only to Arsenal but to West Ham, West Ham United Football Club. Is it doesn't get much lower than that, mate? It really doesn't. This um. <laughs> uh, it's hard to disagree with that. I mean, I, I think um, the manner in which I watched the game slightly diffused from how bad my mood could have been because uh, I watched it with with some friends um, you, playing pool you've, in a you've bar. Got, you got friends? I, I've got quite a few actually. Unlike you, I'm, I'm, did you I'm, did you meet them all on World of Warcraft? <laughs> no, no, no. We, it's an old set of lads that I, I know from uh, for years now. But we um, we met up that morning. Uh, went to a place called uh, Elbow Rooms in Leeds, which is really good. I think they might have a couple of um, versions of it down south. I do, yeah. Sure. Yeah, and uh, played pool for a few hours and watched watched the football. And uh, just because they kind of, most of them are Leeds fans, so they can't really take the piss out of me and you know take your mind off it a bit drinking and that. It was it was a bit better. I was, I was still obviously rattled. The queue. Uh, hit the floor a few times in frustration, uh, <laughs> as you may well expect. But it was it was slightly more um, easy to digest in a group than it may well have been had I 
had to sit and stew and watch it on my, on my own. I think the experience of not sitting there and, you know, when you do the dual screen, if you've, you've got like Twitter open on your phone or on your laptop, yeah, you watch yeah. it. While you see like some views that you don't agree with mixed in with a, a performance that is, that leaves everything to be desired, essentially. Um, it, that helped a lot. I think uh, my want to. Uh, feed into Twitter and what other people are thinking at the same time as watching a game might have dispersed and uh, and lack now from that uh, that experience. But, um, what, what, I mean, while we're on this 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 topic, um, not West Ham but Twitter in particular, do you subscribe much to the idea? Because it sounds, you know, I, I know exactly what you're saying. And do you subscribe much to this idea that Twitter is? disintegrating people's kind of enthusiasm and love for football because it seems although Twitter's been around for a few years it's really shot to prominence in the kind of wide scale this season um, in terms of football seasons and it also seems to coincide with the fact that most football fans of most clubs seem at their most unhappy this season Um, I it's hard to kind of deny that Twitter might play a part in that. I mean, I've often been quite a vehement, not defender of Twitter, but at the same time, I think a lot of people like to blame their own issues on something else. Um, and as far as I remember, there's always been moaning on the internet about football, whether it was on message boards um, or anything like that beforehand or on Facebook. But I, I guess it's because Twitter is so much more of a, an instant platform, isn't it? You know, you're having that kind of like that because it's such a shortened kind of expulsion of thought that it means that people can't be as reasoned and as tactful with their points, thus leading to these kind of like short snap knee jerk kind of you know whatever nonsensical ramblings about about the game, and it it can be frustrating. But yeah. Um, I mean, my level of patience and tolerance is often at its lowest ebb as it is. So um, with Twitter, I kind of I help myself anyway by the fact that uh, I don't follow many people. Uh, I think I only follow f- 52, 53 people at most. And I think uh, half of those at least are, are just friends of mine that don't even talk about football whatsoever. Um uh, I try and avoid it as much as possible there. I think the thing that, that kind of doesn't help it is is that as you say people can just say whatever they want at the time and it'll snowball because people can then share that upon it and it, it doesn't help anyone's case really i mean i think as well if you, if, you, if you buy into it too much and that sort of thing affects you to any sort of deeper level um just somebody tweeting something then perhaps there's a there's an issue with your own mentality rather than anything else because i've never had anything I've either read or seen or had sent to me on the internet that's ever really affected me to any great detail because I, I try and take no notice. To be honest, there's 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 worse things that have that have gone on and been said than than somebody behind a keyboard. So I I don't really um, personally it is I, I don't really uh, I don't really get too offended. There's obviously the the thing that offends me more than anything not when not when anyone tries to purposefully. Uh, poke you is when just somebody is so confident in their own idiocy that um, <laughs> that, that baffles me to some extent and uh, 
that's the only thing that irks me on occasion, but I, I tend to feel sorry for their lack of intelligence more than anything else. Like Rob Brown thinking Andrew Siniesta's better than Jack Wilshire. I mean, what a man. <laughs> right. um, but, uh, yeah, well, there you go. But, uh, fuck, West Ham. Anyway, what did you make of the performance, mate? Because, for me, it just looked completely lacklustre. Like, for, for a start, Tim Sherwood's comments about picking a team that's up for the fight um, and then again, leaving Sanjo on the bench, putting Paulinho and Sigurdsson, I think it was, in the centre of midfield. It's it's bizarre. It's really, really bizarre. Um, I think the worst part for me was that it was entirely expected. Um, I didn't for a second think that some sort of miracle was going to occur where this downward slope of performances we've been on is going to... It's going to improve at all, especially at West Ham, where we where we said last week it's we may take the piss and say it's their cup final, but to that it means it's a it's a game in which their fans are going to get behind them and their players, especially in the way they are with with their manager's position uh, somewhat tenuous at present. Um, they'll want to perform and they want to be able to have that scalp on uh, on us in order to to you know strengthen their position. Um, it was never really set up for us to to go there and perform any differently as to, to what we have been doing. I think it feeds into the notion that although Sherwood has amassed a decent level of points in his, his time as manager, the performances have never fed into it. I mean, when we have performed really well, it is, I know it sounds churlish to say so, but it's it's been as much about how bad the other side has been as well as how well we've performed. I mean, you can only beat what's put in front of you as the, the cliche goes. I mean, Newcastle is probably the one that springs to mind the most, how bad they were when we went and, but and it, beat them 4-0. No, definitely. I definitely agree with you there. And I, I think what also sticks out for me is I, I, I really struggle to think of m- many, if any at all, actual great team performances we've put in this season. I think a lot of where we are in the league is purely down to the fact that we have really talented footballers at our disposal. Yeah, I'd, I'd completely agree. I think some players have, have performed out uh, better than we'd have wanted them to. Um, the ones that spring to mind for me would be the triumvirate of Luis, who's been fantastic. Uh, Ericsson, who probably the only one of our summer signings who has really excited us to any sort of consistent degree. And uh, Kyle Walker, when he was fit, um, and especially the way in which he started the season compared to how uh, how much he seemed to struggled last year. Uh, the fact that to see him back uh, confident and, and attacking again was was fantastic. And other than that, they've they've been players that on occasion have hit par, and not much more than that. They've been players where they've obviously been extenuating circumstances. You've got Lamella and Soldado who've been bought for huge price tags and for different reasons have found it difficult in their first season I mean we've seen Lamella a handful of times if that um, and, and Soldado has, has really he, I can't fault his effort for, for any for any want at all he, he's even on the weekend when he came on against West Ham he was grabbing people by on the neck he, he got was, stuck in a few he, probably, he arguably could have been sent off to be honest well, he came with that reputation from Spain. He was always somebody who moaned at the referee, and he was almost like a Spanish uh, Robbie Keane in the way in which he, he conducted himself, you know, uh, waving his arms and complaining about everything and getting stuck in whenever he wants. He's got that, that streak in him. Obviously, 
with with what's gone on with his personal life and his professional life throughout the season, that that little bit of fight was lacking in in certain parts of of his game on certain stages of the season. But to see there's, there's talk that he try. might be off to Atletico. You know, I don't know if you've seen that today, but I mean, I think paper talk at this time of the year is you can you can only believe a little bit, but. At that club at the present, um, obviously they'll have Costa most likely leave. So it's it's one of the many options for them. They've obviously got Fernando Torres as an option as well. But you know, uh, we'll see what happens in the summer really. Because I think, as we've said previously, our, our summer business entirely hinges upon how well and who we appoint this summer. Um, depending on who who they'll want to bring in, the style of football they want to play in. And whatever else, because um, if we were to lose Soldado, which I hope we don't, I hope we allow him a, a second season to try and prove himself. Um, I do think Adibayor is going to be leaving as well. I, I think he's he's been in, going in fits and starts since Sherwood's well, taken over. Him, uh, him and Paulinho both should be sold alone for that awful, awful act of cowardice for the Downing goal. Their their performance in the wall. It wasn't even hit particularly hardly, which was <laughs> perhaps the I mean, most disappointing. Take, take everything aside for like Paulinho, the way he's been performing and whatever other issue I have. As an isolated incident, fucking, what's, what's the lad playing at? Like, he, he, he actually minced away from the ball, which was, was just, it was just shocking to see. I think he was more guilty of it than Adebayor, to be honest. And I did like that little, uh, the, the little vine of, Adebayo just giving Paulinho like the death stare after he's moved out of the way of it. But uh, he's another lad that's been mo- linked with a, a move away to Chelsea. And oddly enough, I don't, I don't think really I'd want to see him go. I think given the fact he has, as we've touched on in the past, played a whole Brazilian season um, before he came here, which is something that Sandro did. He didn't have a very good first season with us and, well, hasn't had a very good season this season, but for different circumstances. Um, I don't think I'd want us to let go of Paulinho, to be honest, but if it was a good fit for all parties. It, it might be might be worth selling, but I don't know whether Chelsea as well is someone you'd really want to strengthen. Well, there's an awful lot of money being uh, involved in these rumours as to what he wants, almost double the amount of money we paid for him, I think. Yeah, um, 28 sound- mil, I think. Well, I think we signed him for around sixteen, seventeen, didn't we? I mean, yeah. You never, you only know the ballpark figures when it comes to these sort of deals. You never know the the exact. Uh, yeah, you, you don't get priced of add-ons, and yeah, you don't get a receipt, do you? When when they go <laughs> through, so. Um, Although I'm sure know, Daniel Levy tries to get one. <laughs> Daniel Levy's definitely got a receipt of everything he's ever done. Yeah. Um, but I think um, I'm I'm unsure whether or not we should sell him. I'd rather we didn't for the same reason. I'd rather. Th- there wouldn't be one of the seven players we signed in the summer that I'd want to see go because I don't believe uh, the the manner in which they arrived at the club having come from different leagues to a, a club and then the instability that we've shown as a business this season hasn't fed into an environment that should allow any of them to flourish. So I think it would be slightly scapegoating of us to to almost it would be an indirect way of blaming the playing staff by selling them again wouldn't it um to yeah. say that, that you you weren't what we expected you weren't good enough but to to have the strength in our convictions to allow them a second season and try and prove on that obviously they have to be a big enough character in themselves to want to to make that improvement and and try and prove themselves i think players like Kapu have been written off um when he 
came into the side at the start of the season and Arsenal away, he was fantastic for me. He, he looked um, he looked every inch the player we wanted him to be in terms of being somebody that we could play when Sandro wasn't fit and when he wasn't there because Sandro's had his injury problems. The way in which he plays, he's going to get injured because he just throws himself apart in such a manner. And then we had Chadley who was, who was written off as being shite and he clearly wasn't, so... I want to see them all given another chance. To be honest, I, I wouldn't want to sell any of them. There'd be there'd be other players I'd, I'd be wanting to sell before them. If you put it that way. Yeah, I don't think I'd I'd want to sell anyone, but there there are certain players that I could take as losing, if that makes sense. But I, I definitely agree, and we don't want to be in this con- like constant state of selling, buying, selling, buying. It's it's not healthy, and it, it doesn't build any kind of team at all um but you know what can we what can we say really the the season has been very disappointing and when you look at how disappointing all the teams around us have been um aside from arguably liverpool who the wheels are just kind of coming off of now <laughs> um then you know you, you you can only see this as an opportunity wasted once again for for Spurs, but yeah, we'll talk about this like a bit more towards the 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 uh, well, either the end of the show or maybe in next week's final episode. But uh, it, I, it hasn't been a great Premier League season for me, to be honest. Um, but there we go. Let's let's move on to our last game of the season, anyway. Uh, it's a team that's had a. Uh, an e- well, not equally, a, a much more disappointing season than us. A team that were actually level pegging with us a few years back, and um, we were both seen as the big contenders to break into the top four and stay there. And much like us, they've seen their their best assets plucked away and uh, taken elsewhere to not really do an awful lot. Well, it's harsh to say that. I think Ashley Young's won a Champions League, hasn't he? Which is quite funny. But anyway, we're talking about Aston Villa, and we're going to talk to Mr. Sam Ty once again. Hello and welcome back to Rule the Roast, Sam. How are you doing, mate? I'm very well. Thank you. All right, thank you. Thank you for joining us again. You you were saying you've had a pretty uh, busy busy bank holiday. Has that been loads of beer and bants for the lads? Hashtag. Or... Oh no, oh, no. I'm a very I'm a very professional person. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't go out and do anything like that. No, okay, good man, good man. Um, so well, let's let's just dive straight in with uh, why have you been so awful this year? Sorry, not sorry to be so brutal, but you know, let's let's not beat around the bush. No, no, it's been awful. It's been awful. No one can hide from it. Uh, Lambert can't hide from it. Lerner can't hide from it. Chief Exec can't hide from it, and the fans uh, are all extremely aware of it. It's been pretty poor. I mean, if last season was a struggle, uh, I think it was forty-one points last season. With thirty, oh, we've got less points than than we do at the end of last season. We've got we've got Man City away and Tottenham away. Uh, is any reasonable fan expecting a point now that we've secured safety and, you know, we are as bad as we are? Probably not. So it doesn't even look like progress, despite some money spent in the summer. Uh, a few few of the uh, bomb squad, as we call them, the, the high wages that we signed uh, under Alex McLeish, some of them have moved, been moved on, but it feels like we've, we've, we've actually gone backwards, which is a real shame. Are you hashtag Lambert out? Um, I, I have been... Uh, one of his biggest apologists uh, for the whole season. Oh, I've been right behind him in terms of trying to uh, 
tell people on Twitter, you know, just how hard a job it is because it really is. Like we spoke on the last podcast about the internal mess of it all, but I really am sort of getting to the end of the tether now. And uh, two weeks before that win against Hull at the weekend, I basically turned the corner and uh, I would I would like to see a new manager in place uh, for the new season. What, what What is it that you think, in your opinion, that he is getting so so wrong at the moment? Uh, it's it's difficult to say because it is a very difficult job, but there's no need uh, for the football to be uh, as appalling on the eye as it is at times. I mean, sometimes <laughs> sometimes he does it because he's being efficient, and that's the sort that's the sort of excuse Sam Allardyce gives. Has Sam Allardyce grown in popularity over the last five ten years? Not a jot. It's just gone down, and it's going to be the same thing. The, the, the worry, the horrible thing about it was that at the end of last season, we were playing some really good football, and the shoots of recovery were were very evident. The pre-season was good for the new season. The signings looked good. Benteke stayed. We were also optimistic. We beat Arsenal on the first game of the season. Then we ran Chelsea very, very close and got very unlucky second game of the season. And pretty much from that point up until Hull at the weekend, it's been absolutely atrocious. Uh, I'd say probably the, the biggest factor in it is the, uh, is, is the playing style, is the changing of formation all the time. Like It just changes it every week. Like, it's absolutely crazy. The players are... You, they're not good enough to be able to to be able to grasp that on a week to week basis, switching from a back three to a back five to a back four to a diamond, three up front, two up front, one up front. It's very confusing. The fans, I mean, when the when the uh, the lineups come out on Twitter, I have no idea what I'm looking at. So I can't imagine what the players are feeling. I mean, that's one of those things you can't help but feel because we we have the same with Sherwood, obviously, at the moment with this ever changing formation, ever changing personnel. And it, it just seems to like smack of a of managerial insecurity of someone that doesn't really actually have a clue as to how they want their team to play and uh, any kind of coherent system, which isn't something I would have thought you could level at Lambert, but it, the, the proof is in the pudding, as you like. Um, and it, it, you guys just haven't haven't performed well. I mean. Ha, ha, Fabian Delph, has he continued on the sort of upward trajectory he was on at one point? Yeah, he's just been crowned the player, supporters player of the season and it's pretty much the biggest landslide vote in the club's recent history. And uh, he really is the only only player at the club that deserves any sort of continued recognition for their entire season's performance. Uh, he, he, he has been excellent, an excellent, excellent player. Player. But he can't do it all by himself because he's actually not Aaron Ramsey at this point. You know, he's just been a lot better than all the all the other players who have seriously underwhelmed. Take it all with a grain of salt. He's been excellent, but he can't do it all by himself. Who have been your chief villains? Would you? Well, no pun intended on your actual name, but in terms of like your your actual your poorest performers over the course of the season, playing playing staff wise. Um. Well, I mean. Guzan's been very good. Vlad's been very good. Del's been very good. And Benteco is good for patches. Pretty much everybody else uh, has been pretty, pretty poor. Uh, even, but for, um, you know, the odd game here and there. Even Ashley Westwood, because he's a, he's a player on occasion I've, I've watched and quite enjoyed uh, seeing his performance. Is he, is he not as consistent as he may appear to be? Uh, he has he has good he has good moments and good flashes and he he can go on a little run of two games, um, but there are some problems uh, with with either his game or the players that Lambert has put around him. He's he's very defensively unstable. He's very lightweight 
And he's quite poor at tracking runs in midfield and letting letting players, opposition number 10s, have space at the, on the edge of the box uh, to produce a sort of a Lampard-esque goal, if you know what I mean. So you either need to play him with the right players, who we've just singularly failed to buy, or change the system to mask his weaknesses, which we've also singularly failed to do. He came from, from League One, didn't he, from, from Crew, so it's slightly... Um... Sadly, unfair to expect him to slot in and be a Premier League player straight away, um, having having jumped up as many leagues as he had done. Yeah, I agree to an extent. Apart from the fact that really last season he was actually a lot better, and it's part of the frustration, I'm sure. Uh, but honestly, um, he's regressed uh, at an alarming rate for me, and uh, the sort of aura that he gave off last season as this you know he's come up from crew and he's done so well that's that that's rubbed off a little bit as the mistakes have become a little bit more common uh, I wouldn't advocate selling him at all I would just say that unfortunately he's not been as good as we all wanted him to be and Aston Villa are a club full of fans who expect more than perhaps we should have it's a it's a it's a byproduct of the the, the golden days or whatever you want to call them but it happens it's, it's tough to say though because you know Villa are you are you are a big club. You're as big as Spurs in terms of you know, history, if not bigger, arguably. Um, and it it, it it is just tough seeing this kind of like this this Premier League era now, whereby the teams that were once leading the way as the millionaire teams are now just being surpassed by the billionaire teams. Um, again, I, I don't know if we put this to you on the the last time you were on, but if the choice came to essentially do a Chelsea or Man City. Do you think you take it? I think you did ask me the question. I think I sort of said it's a bit of a, a bit of an odd uh, situation for Villa fans to be in because they're not happy where they are, but they're also not quite okay with the Chelsea thing. After the season we've had, uh, unfortunately, most fans now are looking at the rumours of Randy Lerner selling, and the first thing they are looking at is how much the guy is worth because they want money they want an influx and they want a better team it's it's, uh, it's dangerous isn't it because you don't want to end up with like another venkies or something like that which is the or a vincent tan you know um i think that's that's always that's that's also the fear of selling up nowadays because i know at spurs a lot of people are on this like levy out enic out bandwagon now um and you you, you can't help but worry you know if we you know we could we could get a, an abramovich or a mansour but just as much you can get kind of this, you know, an Alam who's a, it's Alam at Hull, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know. It can be, it can be a dangerous game. Um, with, with Benteke, has it been mainly his injury problems that have held him back, do you think, or ha- have there been some attitude problems there or simply has he been found out a bit? No, I don't think he's been found out. I don't think he has attitude problems. He uh, he hurt himself at Caro Road. I'm sure you remember he had a hip mm. flexor problem. And he had about four or five weeks out. And um, he came back and he was, you know how mentality and confidence is so big in football. He came back and he wasn't sprinting. He wasn't uh, stretching his legs out for the ball. And it was very obvious that he was worried that he was injured. And in the World Cup year, all sorts of things come over a player's mind. So what happened was he played very poorly for about six weeks. Lambert refused to drop him because he knows what he's capable of, that old adage. And then over Christmas, he missed three games and he went over to Belgium and saw the Belgian physician who he trusts explicitly. And he had himself checked out. The Belgian physio said, you are perfectly fine. He came back and he absolutely ripped Sunderland to shreds on the on New Year's Day. And I mean, killed them. He didn't score, 
but I, I watched the whole game and uh, it was it was pretty frightening and I'd forgotten that he was that good so it's mostly the mentality thing for him and it was a few months there where he looked very very poor uh, where he was recovering and then of course also he was bogged down mentally as well so it's a shame for him because it's wasted time I do think people uh, have looked at that and thought second season syndrome I don't think it was personally do you, do you see uh, a big bid coming in for him this summer again? Like teams like Arsenal, arguably Spurs, Chelsea, all looking for in, for a striker. Well, I think they'll all look for they will look at him. But remember, he's torn his Achilles, um, so he's got a grade three rupture and he's out for six months. So he's not fit until at least October. So he couldn't even run away from us if he tried. <laughs> it's very difficult to pass a medical like that. Although we obviously passed Stuart Downing with a broken foot, so. Unless it was absolutely assured, but with ligament damage, I mean, if I was a, if I was someone staking twenty twenty five million on him, which is what it will take, I'd be like, well, I, I want to see him in those two months before Christmas. Let's just see if his ankle's all right. Uh, let's, sorry, let's see if his Achilles is all right, and uh, and then we'll, we'll have a look in January because it's a it's a huge risk. I, I expect no interest in him. Honestly, I do. Would you fancy him at Spurs, Raj? I've I've never been. As quite as as taken with him as other people have been, in all honesty, um, I can see his qualities um, and I can see how how good he may be uh, in the future. But I've I've never been the biggest fan of his, uh, in all honesty. Um, so I wouldn't want to to pay that amount of money for him uh, at present. I think there's there's possibly better options for us elsewhere. Hello. Yeah. Hello. Yeah, he's still there. Um, I, I've I've often felt the same about Lukaku, though personally. Um, if we That's just you're an idiot. Bell just oh come on, man! But Lukaku, he's scored less goals than Giroud this season. He's been injured for loads of it as well. Yeah, but if you're talking about twenty, thirty million pounds again, twenty. Year I won't old... spend that. I, w- I won't spend that much on him. But he, he's he's much younger and he's a uh, much better prospect than Benteke is. Do you think so? Yeah. I think, I think Lukaku is better. I, I, I think Lukaku is a better overall prospect, um, which is, I don't think a lot of Villa fans will reciprocate the idea of that. But I, per, I mean, maybe I'm a bit more objective than others. I don't know. But I, I think he's a better all-round prospect. I think Lukaku passes better. He's a little bit quicker. He can play wide. Benteke can't play wide. His passing game is improving, but it's not quite there yet. And he can be a little greedy. And I'm not sure Lukaku is quite as greedy, although they are all strikers. So there's an element of it. I would, uh, if I had the choice of two for the same price, I would take Lukaku. There we go. Big words, big words. Um, <laughs> not really big words at all, but couldn't think of anything else more fitting to say. Thus, uh, fitting into Raj's rather cruel assertion, I'm an idiot there, Bane, so I, I, I well, object yeah. to that. Well, speaking of idiots, um, what can you can you shed any light, uh, Sam, on what happened with uh, Ian Culverhouse and Gary Carr? Oh, yeah. At all, apart from apart from what was put in the news as apparent, what was it, tra- tra- training field bullying? It's a bit of a weird one, isn't it? Um, it's hardly the sort of thing that you want um, spilling out for into the press when you are, you know, trying to win just one game to stay in the league with three weeks to go. It's uh, it wasn't really good timing at all. Uh, it doesn't look like they're coming back. Um, I did get a call from the. Uh, Villa press officer actually and he more or less intimated that they were gone they're they're technically on gardening leave or whatever fancy word you want to give it but they're pretty much off uh it does seem like a case of 
not, not just training ground bullying, but also a lot of people in the facilities as well. Even people in the catering department of the Bodymore Heath, which is the training ground, were suggesting that they weren't the nicest individuals. Um, so they were sort of taken out of the equation to introduce a little more harmony. Uh, but the, the worst thing about that was they supposedly clashed with Delph and Agbon Lahore um, prior to the Palace game. And Lambert initially sided with his men, Calderhouse and Casa, and therefore left Agbon Lahore and Delph out of the Palace game. And we lost that 1-0 and it was absolutely dire. And of course, that was really a game that you're looking to get a point from at this point. They weren't that far into their winning streak uh, we, and we became part of it. And we were awful. So the regrettable thing there was that we could have probably... Uh, picked up safety a little bit earlier um, if we hadn't have basically made the error of siding with the wrong set there in the argument. Because it's all a bit playground, really, isn't it? The fact that <laughs> they're not getting on with people and they're treating people badly. These these are two men that are, I think they're 49 and, and one of them is over 50. They, they shouldn't be behaving in that manner. Does it, does it not smack of... Do not worry you slightly with with Lambert's decision making and his his his, his ability to to pick a staff around him. If if these are the two types of characters he's, he's had with him along his career so far, it's it's extremely worrying. You, and you sort of hit the nail on the head there. He's been, they've been with him at Colchester, they've been with him at Norwich, and they've been at him with him his other his fourth job as well. And they're here and now. Wickham, wasn't and, it? Yeah, in Wickham, that's right. So they they've been here the whole time. He's they've been part of his 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 furniture in the backroom staff, and it's really really worrying. Which I don't know. It just adds to the to the the clamour to to see Lambert go. I think it probably played a part in my mind when I was turning the corner on that sort of like, uh, that subject as well. Because we've got um, our, our assistant manager is, um, uh, I'm not entirely sure what he does in all honesty, but it's Les Ferdinand, who, who his entire input this season is. is... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com to say that Claude McAlhenny is the worst thing to happen <laughs> to the Premier League. So, I mean, we can, I think we feel your pain with having a, a backroom staff um, picked by a manager who doesn't seem to uh, be able to to pick his battles and, and pick his personnel the best. So, I mean, it's, I don't know, give, give, it's give Les a bit of a break, mate. He was in, uh, he was in a couple of tweeted pictures on the Spurs official stream, laughing with the lads, handing out bibs. You know, that kind of thing. Putting cones on the floor. Important team building exercises and uh, such. Exactly that, you know. 
Yeah. I've seen Les. I've seen Les uh, tell Sherwood to apologise to Martinez when he punted the Lucasaid bottle all over him at White Hart Lane. That happened. <laughs> that, ha- that happened in front of me. Keep so, him in check. He's earning his money. Was this one of the occasions? Was Tim Sherwood? Was he getting into verbal foul mouth tirade kind of confrontations with the with the spectators on that occasion, Sam? As well. That wasn't the spectators. No, I was in. I was in the press box, right? But I was about two meters from Sherwood. On I could see Lucina Traore's uh, blonde uh, Mohican very, very clearly. Uh, and it was a fifty-fifty that went through, and they lost a the decision. And Sherwood went absolutely crazy. This was about two weeks before Gilet Gate, whatever you want to call it. He's. Uh, I, I don't know. He's a. He's a. He's a strange man, Tim Sherwood. And- Sooner we kind of see the back of him, the better, really. I mean, what 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 do you think of that from an outsider's perspective? Have you do you see it as farcical as we do? Are we just a bit too kind of above, ideas above our own station to take someone like Tim Sherwood as, on as our manager? Do you mean what do I think of the the Sherwood debacle? Yeah, uh, like well, yeah. I, I take it from the fact you've used the word debacle there probably shows what it's you a, think about it. But it's a bit it's a bit of a hint. Yeah. It's um he I originally quite liked him for about a month. Um and it was actually at that game, Tottenham Everton, I wrote a piece that said basically he's a, a bit of a jumping jack and a, a bit of an oddball, but if you if he can keep the players <laughs> on his side and if everybody is on his side, then this sort of sky's the limit for you in terms of hitting that Champions League. But it's the moment it goes wrong, I'm not sure that he's gonna be able to control the situation as well as a lot of the managerial sort of candidates we have out there at the moment that are almost part psychologist. This guy's not part psychologist. He's just someone that wants to still be on the pitch, but he can't do it anymore. And I don't think, I think he's shown a bit of naivety really when he says, I don't understand why my players don't do what they asked me to do. Uh, and, and things like that. I don't understand why we're not playing the ball quicker. I, I want them to do it. I keep telling them, but they're not doing it. And, Originally, we were we were we were applauding his his honesty, and then by the end of it, everyone just got sick of it. Well, it kind of there just came that point, didn't there, where it seemed every other week he was laying into individuals, or laying into the playing staff, or laying into the fans, or laying into the board, and it it just comes to that point where you think, you know, at some point or another, Tim, you need to hold your hands up and say, you know, I I'm I'm to blame for this, and it, it's not to say, you know, it's as much as we, myself and Raj have been very vociferous in not being particularly supportive of Tim Sherwood, but at the same time, you know, we're realistic enough to say, yeah, the players have been at fault at times, or the fans have all this or that. But for the manager to to seemingly never see anything as his own fault when he's been in the job for a few months' time, and the amount of kind of problems that seem to have just come about in such a short space of time, it really is quite worrying. And I, I think in the bigger picture as well for the club, he's he's actually a very dangerous figure because he's been coming out with some really kind of sensitive information in his last few press conferences about the club and about how things are functioning at the top level and what's been made clear to him, what hasn't been made clear to him, what the expectations are. And I, I can't imagine Joe Lewis, Daniel Levy are, are over the moon with, what he is saying, but he seems to have even them backed into a corner at the moment. Um, and I, I, I don't really know. No, I think he's been slightly naive personally in that I'm not sure that bodes well for his own career going forwards. Cause I, I think a few clubs that might have taken a punt on him. There was, there was a lot of talk of say West Brom 
going in for him. I think maybe when they when they see the way he's behaved recently, that they might have second thoughts about that. I mean, can, Raj, can you see him landing a, another Premier League job after after we surely get rid of him this summer? It depends how desperate the team are in question and how big their budget is, because I imagine he'll take quite a, uh, a modest wage compared to some of the um, other possible signings in place. Um, I think he'd be quite desperate to jump straight into another job should he be handed the opportunity as well. So I, w- I don't think he'd be too picky about the club he'd go to because um, I think he's he's the type of person that probably has um, opinions of himself above his own station, meaning he'd uh, he'd imagine that every club he goes to is a is a bit of a stepping stone. If you if you remember. Mark Hughes at, uh, at Fulham where he uh, resigned from there because the club weren't matching his ambitions yeah. and then he went on to, to do terribly in two other jobs yeah. so I, I think that's that's probably the sort of managerial career trajectory he's going to have um, whether or not a club is willing to take a gamble on him is as I say it's down to their circumstances at the time I don't think it'll be anyone's first choice I think um I think if they go about their uh, hiring process properly and sit down and, and interview these people, it won't take him long to uh, put his foot in his own mouth in, in the interview process, I don't think. I think it'd be quite amusing. It'd be almost like that that episode towards the end of the series of The Apprentice where everyone has those intense interviews and they all end up sounding like they're idiots. I think given, um, given, the, t- <laughs> given the type of character that he is, you, you, you'd think for, for his own kind of sake going and maybe being like harry redknapp's number two for a bit of qpr would would probably be a wise move for him to be honest like similar sorts of characters you imagine harry would put his arm around him and kind of show him how to pull things together a bit more not like harry redknapp's really a visionary but they're of a similar ilk and harry's you know tasted a lot more success than show is probably ever likely to I think he would do well to stay away from Redknapp at the time being in all honesty because I think the the comparisons have been made between them already and uh, the way in which Redknapp's career is tailed off, they're no longer favourable unless you work for a certain uh, section of the media. So I don't think, um, I, if, if he's been clever about it, I would imagine he'd want to take a step away from the Redknapp comparisons if I was him and I'd... I'd be looking to do what almost uh, Tony Adams did, where he went to like he went and worked in Dutch clubs and and tried to learn his trade there by by being in the the just the background and being in the the coaching setups there rather than going and being such a, a frontline person. Because no doubt that Harry Redknapp will start you know campaigning and uh, wanting him to get another job because they're they're obviously friends, but. Uh, I think that that comparison right now, where where Radnapp has, has taken a club with a bigger wage bill than Borussia Dortmund and failed to get them out of the Championship, is is probably not the best comparison to want in your career at the moment. <laughs> anyway, enough talking about those unpleasant people. Um, Sam, this this game, how how can you see yourself approaching? Because you got the, you got Man City in between um, us talking and us playing one another. That's our teams playing one another. Um, do you uh, do you see yourself derailing City's late march towards the Premier League title? No, uh, <laughs> I don't think at all. I don't think so at all. And I was watching Liverpool last night with four Liverpool fans in a pub in Clapham. I bet that was and delightful, when, wasn't it? And, well, I know because they spent ten minutes with their heads in their hands, draped over a table at the end. 
so it actually was a bit saddening, but they always started to look at me very longingly once they realised what they needed to happen, and I, I just <laughs> had to look at them and say, look, I'm sorry, but there is a point one chance of this happening. Uh, it's, a bit of a, it's a bit of a weird one for Villa. I mean, it's a free hit. We are, math- we are mathematically safe. Uh, not going down uh, pretty much... Lambert is going to want to play players that haven't been getting a look in too much, but he's also going to be wanting to better his points tally from last season. That that will probably be top of the list for him. So I do expect to see a little bit of rotation, but there's not going to be too many star names out. And I do think people like Yakuba Silla is going to come in. He's been saying, I want some more playing time, although he frankly doesn't deserve any. People like him will, will, will come in and try and, and, and steady the ship. I think we'll end up playing... Th- Three slash five at the back always ends up with five. Um, three in midfield and two quick ones up front. We're going to try and do a smash and grab like we did earlier in the season. People all will point to the Villa three City two game and say, "Oh, they can do it again." But the last time, the last two or three times we've been to the Etihad, we've been absolutely caned, and it has not been fun. Last year was five nil, and it was it was just soul destroying to watch. So I do expect a very similar performance. And uh, in, in terms of playing against Spurs, um, how 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 do you see yourself kind of doing that? Cause really, it's two teams with nothing to play for. It's a pretty routine end of season fixture, which can go either way, um, as the old cliche goes. Can you? I mean, yeah, aside for the points tally, there's so there's literally just nothing left now in the in the locker for Villa. Well, no, not really. I mean, as I say, stayed up. Um, you know, obviously, there's people say there's points to play for. You go up a few few spots in the table, you get a few more million. Uh, Lambert has already admitted that he is concerned that if we get taken over, he will lose his job. So he will be going for these six points because six points puts us around the 45 mark. And that is technically, if you look at it from a purely statistical point of view, progress from last season. And that's something he can pull out the bag in the first meeting with the new boss, which would be fantastic for him. The players, on the other hand, I'm sure you're familiar with the end of season feel to a game uh, where, as you say, two teams don't really have too much to play for. And I think the game will be quite uh, quite slow and I think it will be a one goal swing either way probably probably 2-1 to you guys um, but I don't think it's going to be a landslide because I don't think frankly I don't think the 22 players on the pitch will care too much I don't think they've really cared all season to be honest have they <laughs> ours have maybe, maybe yours haven't I don't think they have what about you Raj Can you, uh, do, you, do you see at all the club um, Spurs this is pushing for the last Europa League spot uh, no, I think we'll beat Villa. I think that'll be through the fact that we we seem to have had their number over the past few meetings. Uh, they're one of the few sides this season to have made us look quite expansive in the final third. I think there was one goal that sticks out specifically where um, Polinio played the ball through to Soldado, who finished first time. It was a fantastic little move, and it's it one of the nice only times. Time. One of the only times it's really happened for us this season. I mean, we it's got to a point now where we're literally pulling their pants down on the field. Um, if you remember back to, yeah. to Jan Vertonghen. Um so <sighs> there's, so there's, there's, I mean, I'm, I'm not too scared. I mean, it, it literally means nothing at this stage in the season to anybody. Um, I don't think we're we're perhaps pushing towards it. I think there's, there's certain players within our squad that actually do quite. Um, hold that competition in high regard. I think Loris is one. And I think if we were to to miss out on, on European football 
at any level and, and completely drop out, he would he he would get slightly itchier feet to move if he doesn't have them already. Um, because it, as I say, it's a competition he he enjoys playing in and he actually wants to to win. He said this before, and it's it doesn't seem to be one of those things that he he says as a um as just a, a sound bite to sound like he's being positive. He 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 he's genuinely passionate about it. I mean. There was there was that season where we we stopped playing him in Europe and just played him in the league and allowed Friedel to play there and he wasn't happy at all about it because he wants to play in every game possible and he wants to play in every competition possible so I think it would be slightly slightly more beneficial to us than not to be in it um, purely on the basis that we have players that will want to appear in it and um, it puts us in a slightly better position attracting players to the club, um, having having some level of, of European football rather than not. And of course, next season, the winner of that competition gets to go in the Champions League. So that's a uh, another route into that competition we can watch us fail to achieve. Now, I, do, you, do you think Lloris will be gone in summer, mate? Um, I... I uh... It entirely depends on who comes in for him, and I can't see anyone at this moment in time particularly really needing him. I think the only one would be Madrid, but I think there's a season or t- around a season before they really need to make a, a goalkeeping change because both of theirs are getting slightly towards the end of their career now. But with the, the fact that they're rotating him and, and playing him in different competitions means their longevity is extended somewhat. But uh, he's been fantastic this year, and it's not gone unnoticed. And if he then goes on to have a, an outstanding World Cup, um, I think that will that will uh, help his cause in, in going. But um, I'd hope not. I'd, I'd hope there's uh, there's no reason for him to go. There's been a slight peep about Manchester City perhaps wanting him, which would be one of the only ones that I would suggest makes sense because I don't think anyone at that club is entirely uh, entirely confident with Joe Hart just as yet. Uh, after his earlier part of the season, so I'd, I'd hope we'd be able to um, to keep him from going there. As as an outsider, Sam, I'd just be interested to know: Would you rather have Hugo Lloris or Wojciech Szczesny between the sticks? Uh, Hugo Lloris, uh, no no contest whatsoever. I uh, I don't mind Szczesny. I think he's got a lot better this season from what he was the season before. Uh, the progress is obvious, but I think Lloris is a uh, pretty much a world-class keeper and um, I think this season he's been second only to David De Gea in performances so oh, and perhaps Czech maybe had a good season but he's certainly in the top three performers this season for me uh, I think he's excellent I think the I think Man City <laughs> I think Man City would would be interested in for a very good reason and I'd worry about the Atletico Madrid situation as well but I do think they're the only two clubs that would be uh, contenders to take him off your hands Potentially uh, PSG, maybe. Uh, you'd say PSG, I know, but they do like Sirigu. They're quite a big mm. fan of Sirigu. And, and they, don't, they, don't, they, don't trust, uh, they don't trust Duches, but, I mean, they only need one world-class keeper. They're not going to be able to Lurice keep two really happy. doesn't like them either. Really? Lurice not? Has a, Lurice has a real problem with the uh, with the the new money sides in France uh, being and playing for who he has. Both Monaco and PSG are, are, are people he's been linked with previously, even when he was in France. And he's uh, he's pretty much slagged them both off and said their their teams uh, and what they stand for aren't, aren't something he wants to represent. Of course, good man. Up until up until they they offer him three hundred grand a week, yeah. 
but um, <laughs> that might be a different story in the summer. So we'll, we'll see. He seems like a very principled individual, which is quite refreshing, especially from a Frenchman to see him so strong of character. But um, we'll, we'll soon see. I mean, it, if I was being entirely honest, I'd um, I'd be giving him the captain's armband this summer and giving him a fatter contract and, and trying to keep him at the club because I think he, he's he's part of a spine of a of a side that we can actually build on. And I think if we were to let him go, the task of replacing him would be um, damn near impossible. You went you went uh, you went a bit Clarkson there, Baines, in your in your assertion of the French. Must be that must be that northernness. And uh, no, and yeah, whatever. <laughs> Not even going to argue that one, mate, are you? Um, no. Who? Uh, what, what? What's? You know, who? Who would you want to sign in summer, Sam? If you, if you say, you know, had. Not an unlimited budget, but say a realistic budget, twenty mil or so, realistic signings that you think would actually make you a contender for, say, Europe next season. Uh <laughs> Europe, don't make me laugh. Uh, it's it's a tough one to answer on the spot. Um, I'm happy with our goalkeeper. I'm happy with uh, a Corre to come back and actually play because I know he's very good. Uh, and I'm happy for him to be paired with Vlar, who's had a good season. I would like to sign Bertrand on a permanent deal, but I, I suspect we will not be the only ones in for him. If I were Liverpool and if I were Spurs, I would I would take a look because I do think he's going to be around for about five or six, maybe up to seven million pounds which isn't really a lot for him because he's actually been really good for us. So I'd love to take Bertrand and plug him into the back four, pretty much complete that. We need a playmaker. We seriously need to buy a number 10. And Lambert has tried, but he's been priced out. Uh, he even got priced out of Wes Houlihan. That's how dire it's been. Um, <laughs> but the guy the guy we got linked to last summer uh, very heavily was Hiroshi Kiyotaki of Nuremberg. And they look, they look like they're going to go down. Now, they rejected a a 10 million-ish bid last summer. My guess is when they go down to the second Bundesliga uh, next season, a 10 million bid would, would be okay for him. And uh, that's that's creeping up towards the edge of the 20 million mark. So, and that's what we will get if we don't sell. So that's that's probably it. Uh, a winger would um, be okay, but you know those two would be the ones I would target. I was going to say, speaking of uh, teams going down in the Bundesliga, Hamburg have got a... Uh, a playoff to go contend with towards the end of the year. So you could find Rafa van der Vaart available if his team go down. Uh, you could have a cheeky bid in there. Yeah, I'd, I'd take van der Vaart. I'd take the uh, the other dude as well, Hakan Kalanoglu, or however you say it, of, of Hamburg, <laughs> Hamburg. Yeah, Hamburg as well. I mean, the both of those would be great. They've actually got quite a lot of players. I've no idea what's happened with them. I haven't really seen them. But yeah, uh, there's another dude as well in, in France, uh, plays for... Reims, I think you say it, the the one that's spelled R E I M S, called uh, Krikowiak, who's a Polish defensive midfielder. I'd quite like to sign him as well, but that's like my hipsterness creeping out there. <laughs> um, well, well, thank you very much for joining us again, Sam, and uh, good luck for good luck for next year. I've, I've I've always quite liked Villa, to be honest with you. So you know, yeah, you said that last time, but you didn't mind beating us. No, I, I don't mind. I think we've I think even Eric Lamella scored against you this season, actually, hasn't he? No. Has he not? Did he assist something? I, th- I think he played in the cup game, didn't he? I think Defoe scored and, and Holtby had a really good game. I don't think uh, Lamello was... Yeah. yeah, I think Defoe might have even got a hat-trick. Possibly, yeah. I do remember that was when uh, Andros Townsend was having his good six weeks and uh, he <laughs> made Antonio, Antonio Luna look just god-awful, just like a 
like you know league I don't know Skrill Premier League <laughs> standard player and honestly he hasn't played really since he's not really been on the pitch so thanks Andros you ruined his career Tony Moon um, <laughs> maybe Tony Moon's put a curse on him and ruined him or maybe he's just average all along you've said that all along haven't you Baines but you're, yeah, um, but you're well happy now aren't you Everyone got really ahead of themselves when he had a few good weeks and scored a goal for England. And yeah, he's 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 not much more than the squad player. In all honesty, he had a solid um, season at QPR last year, though. To be fair, it was they were going kind of founded on that. And you know, look at Raheem Sterling; he's he's come on quite a bit, and he looked he awful is. previously. Not he awful, didn't look but off. he looked he looked bang average though. No, it's it's not a really a comparison there. To be honest, Raheem Sterling's a, a bit younger than him as well. He's a bit younger, but it, I think there's still a comparison there to be had. How old is Townsend? 22. 22 20, yeah. yeah, 22, 23. Uh, it's, a good, it's, a, it's got a good three, probably three and a half years on him. It is a, it is a bit of a divide. With Sterling is, I don't know, I think Sterling is a lot better than Townsend. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. become a lot better. He's definitely a lot better, but just in, in the way that, you know, those like, kind of nippy winger mould player, how they, they can easily be kind of written off or... Jumped up quite a lot. Um, I think it just comes down to production in the end for the, for those kind of players, and that's why they're so hard to project when they're younger. They start burst on, and they, you know they need they need sustained production in front of goals. With those kind of players, people do genuinely look at goals and assists maybe a little bit too much, but they need to be making the right decisions. And if that decision making process never comes on, have a look at Aaron Lennon, then they stay where they are. Which sorry to Aaron Lennon, but I don't I don't think he's actually become as good as he maybe should have. No, he's regressed. If anything. So, but we've spoken about that at length. But anyway, Sam, we'll, we'll let you get off, mate. And uh, thank you very much for joining us again. Ah, oh, pleasure. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you, bye. All right, Baines. I'm breaking the fourth wall. I'm recording from the off. We're going. Sam was on. Sam came. He saw. He conquered. And, and that's it. That's our last guest this 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 year. Well, unless we do that kind of episode thing next week, but. It's been eventful, mate. What, what have you made of some of the characters we've spoken to this year? I don't like this diving into it nonsense. I mean, this is why I don't like you recording and not rather than me doing it. I, I don't like not having this control. We're diving straight in, me, mate. I have done. Thrown me there. Um, in terms of well, who have I enjoyed having on this season? Uh, Jesus. Um, it's got to be, be Borley. Borley and Sai. Yeah, the Everton lads always stick out... Um, Taylor and Newcastle and Sunderland as well I've enjoyed Sunderland just because to be honest it's Schadenfreude with Sunderland because they're more depressed than we are but they won't be anymore but at the times we've spoken to them they have been and they've just made me feel better about myself Um, I suppose the Gooners are alright weren't they really for Gooners the the good value Um, I think Sam Last week with West Ham, um, I think he, we, we finally found a West Ham fan that we can tolerate to some sort of degree. Um, Hashtag fuck Sam Diss. Yeah, um, he he was pleasant to speak to. Uh, who else have we had on? I can't really remember. Uh, ben Fico was probably one of my favourite as well. Um, you, you had such a man crush on, on, on Ben Fico. Alfredo. On Mr. Talking to the Doll. Yeah, Alfredo's voice and just you know speaking about a league and, and, and a style of football that is isn't English and isn't Tottenham was a highlight of mine. As, as you know, speaking about other other leagues and pretending that I know about stuff that isn't Tottenham is um, 
something I enjoy. So. Let's let's not forget as well. If while we're on that topic, Mister Basil and Kaushik, who help open up this venture for us as well, our Real Madrid friends. Yeah, uh, there was not was uh, the very the very first time we ever did this. Um, I think we've we've hopefully come a slightly a slightly uh, a long way since then and, and become slightly better at what we've done. I've not ever. I might listen back to that as as you know. I famously don't ever listen back. To, I say famously between us and our mums. <laughs> <laughs> I slightly bigged up that 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 true up there a, a bit, but between us two, I, I never listen back to this uh, whatsoever, just because um, I don't enjoy doing so. I've got better things to do with my time. Um, no, but uh, hopefully, we've we're, we're, we've a slightly better quality and a, a more rounded approach, and we've kind of. Uh, I th- I'm gonna be know, honest. I think I've regressed, mate. I think I've gotten worse. I think I've, I think I've been is, a shower of shit lately. I'm, I'm going to be honest. That, I'm marking myself. I think I've been awful. Is that because to to begin with you were you were carrying me because I was slightly more timid and uh, not used to this medium as you were? Obviously, from your, your previous ventures, you'd you'd had this sort of thing before. Whereas myself and, and you can tell from this voice, it's not built for broadcasting, and we get told that on a weekly basis that it's not from people from all corners of the 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 globe unable to understand the way in which I speak. Um, I, but, I don't um, get that. I, I you, 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 you haven't got a broad accent, though. I don't understand that. I think they're just being mean, mate. I think they're just being nasty. I, I tone it down, but as I've said to you previously, it's it's not not something that I haven't heard before. Um, my own parents say it to me on a daily basis. <laughs> my mother accuses. I'm not I'm not joking. My mother accuses me of not being able to fully open my mouth when I speak, and. Uh, and you know, I speak in a. If I was to speak to you in, in in a manner that was just my usual phone voice, I think you've actually phoned me a few times, so you may have experienced the difference. Uh, it's a more mumbled and more drawled uh, way in which you're speaking, rather than this, which I'm I'm trying. I hope to project project myself in a in a more understandable manner. But uh, I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed the venture. I think it's, it's done very well for us uh, on the site and uh, everyone that's taken part from from the Tottenham side of it as well. And those those episodes and things have has obviously been a pleasure. We've had um, you know fantastic feedback from everyone across Twitter and on the iTunes and everything. So we can't. It's been good. We've we've got a few characters, haven't we? People that seem yeah. to. Seem to like oh, us. I, a couple of people that seem to not particularly like us very much, but you know, we can we can do with that. You put yourself out there, and you have to take it. You have to roll with the punches. Yeah, I mean, um, I think people who understand where we're coming from with the fact that we we talk about, we haven't even talked about Game of Thrones this week, Jesus. We did True Detective, I didn't we? But yeah, you know, people understand that where we're coming from, and you know, our our humour and things. I think when people understand that and and not buy into it, but perhaps like get the angle in which it's being projected from, it might work better for them than it may perhaps other people. And if they just understand it, it's just a bit of fun ultimately. That you know, we're doing this because we enjoy it, not because we're getting paid to do it. Not because it's you know a career or anything like that. We're doing this because it's fun. And yeah, and if on that, as I've said previously, if anybody does want to pay us to do this, um, yeah, we're open to please do to, to offers of any sort of uh, any sort of money. 
Uh, I think we'll happily be paid in alcohol or booze as well. Um, alcohol or booze, that's a fucking same thing, idiot. Alcohol or food is probably what I was trying to say. Um, but yeah, um, I've enjoyed myself um, immensely. Uh, we'll see about if we want to continue this next season or not. Yeah, let's uh, see who we bring in in the summer, eh? Or whether Kebab Cast will take over. Or maybe we might just do a podcast about like HBO series, actually. That could be quite good. Yeah. Maybe we should do that, actually. Yeah. Should we just fuck the football off and do that? There's a really new, exciting one coming up. I can't remember what it's called on HBO, but there's a new one. The, the, um, it's starting in June. Um, this trailer's just been released, and it looks proper freaky. Uh, the premise of it is essentially like there's just one day where thousands of people across, well, maybe millions, perhaps that's a more scary thing, but yeah, uh, millions of people just vanish off the face of the planet all at once on one day, and then they try and work out what's happened. And then these people return and they're like aliens and then there's frictions and shit like that. I'll find out what it's called, but it looks really good and it's on HBO. So undoubtedly we'll, we'll, we'll most likely enjoy it. Sounds like, I mean, I think there's been a few kind of series like that before, haven't there? Like in, the, in that kind of style. There was, there was like a really failed one. I think it was like J.J. Abrams or someone like that. The, the dickhead that did Lost and all those other kind of like lowbrow sci-fi type yarns. He did something a few years back about a, a plane that disappeared and then it reappeared and all the people were all a bit messed up and then it got cancelled after about ten episodes. So, isn't that lost was... though? The, the no, no, it was no exactly, but it would no, it wasn't lost, but it was done by the same people again. I think it was called Rift or something like that. I can't remember, but it was god awful. Um, but yeah, I've avoided I've, that. I've enjoyed it as well, Baines. I've, 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 I've got to say, it's, it has been fun, and uh, you know. Thank you, thank you for holding my hand and joining me on this little uh, this little podcasting venture, mate. It's been a good laugh, and I hope I do hope the the listeners have enjoyed it. Um, we are actually just just to give you a bit of ITK. There's 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 early talk of potentially doing some stuff in the World Cup with the Everton lads. So you know you might you, this might not be the last you hear of us, but that's by no means concrete. It would be a good laugh to do that, though, I think, don't you, Bones? To, yeah, laugh, to laugh at England, I think. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully something might might come out of that. Um, I mean, we had a disagreement today already about England uh, when I <laughs> when I tweeted my formation, but I, I didn't expect somebody of your footballing nous to understand where I was coming from on on that tactical I, matter. I like Michael Carrick, but he's he's gone downhill this year, mate. You can't hide from it. You can't. He's not been perhaps his best self, but who has at Manchester United? I mean, it's that's true. They've that's been true. they've been. He's been asked to play next to Marwan Fellaini for half the season, who's been playing out of position. So, I think the extent to which you can uh, you can blame him personally for his uh, his decline is um, isn't as much as you perhaps uh, expressed it. Maybe I don't know, but you, you know what's going to happen, though, mate, don't you? We're going to have Lampard and Gerrard in the middle. We're going to have Rooney up front. Blah 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 blah. It's going to be same old England, isn't it? And then we're going to wonder why we went out and why we didn't play the likes of Barkley and Lalana and you know whoever else Sturridge. Come we'll on. still be there though. We'll still sure. be there being being muggy and celebrating them every uh, every inch of the way and supporting them like we do every tournament. So um, we've only got ourselves to blame really. Uh, um, but I'm, I'm looking forward to the World Cup. There's this video out that I watched today that's 25 minutes long 
which is like a montage of every goal that was scored in the last World Cup in South Africa. And that really got me quite excited because there's just there's things I forgot about, like uh, the how good the Uruguayan Netherlands semi final was and the screamers that were scored in that. And the fact that you know, even on the opening there, there was that Shabalala goal and stuff was, like that. It was sick, that goal as well. Given the whole kind of the the event and the spectacle and what it encapsulated, it was brilliant, that goal. And then. Every like twenty five minutes long clip of just nothing but Vuvuzela back noise, and I'd forgotten how annoying that was to listen to. Oh, it was jarring, that, wasn't it, man? That constant drone. Uh, it was. It was horrible. But uh, yes, yeah, so we got that. We got the World Cup coming up, and hopefully, a uh, a good summer as far as Spurs are concerned. And we've um, yeah, go on, mate. We've got well, we've got one more episode left, so it's not like we're, we're signing off. No, we're just not. yet. We'll, but um, just while we'll it's see. me and you, while we can hold each other's hands, we'll. But we'll probably we'll do one next week with all the Royal the Race lads, as we've said before. Well, Spurs Statman lads, and uh, have a little chat about the season and what's gone so wrong for us. Basically, are we going to allow? Um, are we going to allow Ben Alfrey back on, or is his defection, um, which has has hurt my heart so, um, will that count against him? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he won't even want us. Maybe he won't want us anymore. Now he's Mister. Big and famous Spurs brain pod man. You're going to have to tell me how he's performing because I, I don't listen to our own, so I'm not going to listen to theirs. Um, so we'll, we'll see how he gets on. We'll see whether or not we can stomach him. They're both good. Coming they're they're, they're coming into their own. The the, the, the Spurs pod lads. Yeah, they are. I, I don't mind. I don't. I don't mind the other lad. He's he's, he's nothing to do with us. But uh, but Ben Ben's. Uh, Ben's uh, a plague upon our house. He did it all in secret as well, didn't? That's what I didn't like about it. Ben did it all in secret, didn't you? Yeah. Not not even a text. I didn't. I didn't even get a text from him to to you know just say this is happening. All I had to do was I uh, found out one day, and it was you know it's like walking in and finding you sleeping with somebody else. It was just <laughs> it wasn't uh, it wasn't what I expected. That's deep. Hashtag fuck Alfrey. But uh, yeah. Well, if you want to listen to any of the old episodes, I think you should, like we were saying, listen to maybe the old Real Madrid one or pick out some of the old the Everton ones, Newcastle ones. In particular, the first Newcastle episode was good. Listen to them all on our iTunes site, our Buzzsprout site, or at SpursStatman.com. Um, Raji, Mr. Raji Baines, my, my incredible co-host, who is surpassing me in all capacities now, um, he wishes... Uh, has put up a great article this week about the the fallacy of the Tottenham way um, and how we need to embrace it and evolve it going forwards. It's definitely worth a read. I know he won't want to big up his own article enough, but it is it is fantastic. So give it a read. Um, worth thank you. Worth about forty five minutes of your time, as the it's rambling fuck likes to likes to put it down on paper. But no, no, it is good. It's great. Um, we got uh, Mr. Rob Brown with one of his previews on there as well, haven't we? Again this week, I saw him yeah. tweeting he'll, you about he'll that. He'll be on last preview of the season. I'll be coming up, and they're always they're always fantastic. They always get really good feedback as well because quite a few people the the tactical side of the game and and things that we like to touch on on the site that we um we try and explore a little bit more than perhaps other other Tottenham output do. Um, that always gets a lot more attention, and um, Rob's really good at doing that. And I think because he's been doing it for so long now. And he's been paying attention to Tottenham and the teams coming up players. He's um, he's got fantastic eye, really. 
Um, so it's it's always a, a really good read before a game, just because you you kind of when when the other team set out, you can kind of plot where they're going a little bit more. He puts the high yards in for you, so say um it's a it's a column well worth uh, checking out every week because it's something I I genuinely enjoy getting to to read and edit when uh, when he sends it in. Our AVB, Mr. Rob Brown. And uh, yeah, well, listen to that. Follow the boss, JP, at Spurs Statman. Um, or follow our Twitter feed, at RTRSSM. Um, and you can follow our own personal ones if you want to as well. Um, but for now, come on, you Spurs. Thank you for listening. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 